morning, in Jesus' name, again, it's good to be here with you. You know, I've been blessed by being here, and honestly, it has nothing to do with what I'm telling you, but it does have something to do, it has everything to do with what the Lord is saying to me, to me about. And, and so, um, I think, <coughs> I think that's the way it often is, but I have uh, just been encouraged by being here and interacting with you. Um, this morning we met uh, some, of, some of the ex-Seymourites were together for breakfast and it was, we had a nice time. I enjoyed it. Today I'd like to continue with, the, the, with thinking about one of the, some of the, crea the principles of creation, something that God has established from the very beginning and the the way we'd like to think about tonight is uh, something that's, again, built right into the very nature of life, and it's as unbreakable as the law of gravity. The only thing that will keep gravity from working is some miraculous intervention of God, and this is the same way. And that is that choices have consequences. And that's just built right into, that was part, that's one of the creation principles, that choices have consequences. For the young people tomorrow evening, I would like to, in some ways, con continue with this subject and think about five decisions you'll never regret. But tonight we're thinking about choices as well and decisions. And that's one of the most important things that we can learn when we're young is that Choices that we make have consequences from which there is no escape. Not all of not all consequences <coughs> are that are, are are immediate. Not all of them are that visible, but they're there. And not, honestly, not all of them are that. Depending on the decision, the consequences aren't aren't of that much consequence. But every choice has a consequence, and it's inescapable. Up until if we if we turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the story of the creation, the story of, 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 of God creating the world and man and woman. Beautiful, beautiful story. And the, the um, interaction that Adam and Eve must have had with God. Have you ever had a friend or a, a mentor that you could just be with, and the things that he would say, or she, would just resonate with you because there's something inside of you that's that that's just saying yes. I, I couldn't put this into words myself, but when you said this, my whole being is just almost vibrating. It says yes. This is this is the way it is, and and. And that no matter how much older and wiser this person is, you could just be yourself in his presence. And you could just share what's on your heart. And he'd never make you feel silly because you weren't as wise as he was. Now, there are people like that. They're rare. And so if you find one, you better do what you can to keep one. Keep one. But so if we can find that among human beings, imagine what it would have been like to be in the very presence of God, like Adam and Eve were. That's just 
something we look forward to, but we haven't really experienced it ourselves in quite that way like they did. And so it's, it was a beautiful, beautiful story. And then Genesis 3 comes, then, then Genesis 3, uh, here we are. And let's read that. If you want to, you could turn to Genesis chapter 3. And, and the story changes drastically at that point. And it's never really been the same since. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband which was with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called, and the, and the, yeah, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. You know, I just want to break in here, because a thought occurred to me. You know, the first thing that Adam and Eve recognized after they ate that tree was that fact that they were naked. And that wasn't a fun fact. It wasn't something that they enjoyed, to, to have that recognition. And that's how it, so often it is with sin. We, we, the, the devil makes us a promise. And technically it was true. They did know things that they didn't know before. But it, was a, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a fun fact for them. It wasn't something that they, they, they were ashamed and embarrassed and they tried to hide themselves. So, uh, and the Lord God said unto Adam, um, right here, and then, then God said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Then the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. And dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head. Talking about the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly, excuse me, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And Adam said unto 
And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread until thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. Now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. What a story. What a story. Uh, They went from Somebody mentioned the other evening here in devotions that they went from the top to the bottom, to the, from the very height of human experience to the very depth of, uh, or at least they thought they were. And um, so all because of a choice <laughs> that they made. So we today have opportunities also to make choices that make our lives either better or worse. But they're seldom presented in exactly that way. If you had a choice, if the choice before you was, well, if you take what's on in this hand, your life will be better. If you take what's in this hand, your life will get worse. It wouldn't be hard to figure that one out, would it? Um, it would. It would be pretty easy. If we were um, to choose between, all right, now if you choose what's in this hand, you'll have a full and meaningful life. If you choose what's in this hand, your life is going to be empty and meaningless. And you'll, you'll have longings that cannot be fulfilled. You'll increasingly be empty. And the more you search for your longings, the more you try to fulfill these longings, the emptier you'll get. never do that. We'd never do that. Um, If we were given the simple choice of this hand is heaven, this hand is hell, no problem. No problem at all. We'd always choose heaven. If we, if we would make the wrong choice in any of these, we would, we would think that uh, if somebody wanted, would say they want to make the, they choose the other side, we'd think that there's something wrong with him. There definitely needs to see a doctor because his brain is not working right. But, but it's not. Um, it's never presented exactly like that. In fact, what it looks more like often is this hand that's that's full of meaning is actually also full of. something, 
crucify your flesh. So it doesn't really just look like it's full of meaning, but it is. It really is. And this over here, on the other hand, looks like a lot of fun and pretty easy. And so, you know, it's not as easy to make that decision sometimes as we, as we wish it were. Most of us, so th this ability to, um, to make decisions and to make choices that God has given us. We talked a lot yesterday about uh, our free will. And that ability that in, that, that's part of that, the ability to make decisions and choices, it's a, it's a great gift. And some of those decisions aren't that consequential, honestly. Like, for example... Uh, and, and, but some are. Some, some consequences are, are major. So if you antagonize your neighbor's chihuahua, you might get attacked and chewed up a little bit. No great consequence. If you antagonize an African lion, you might get chewed up and swallowed, which the consequences are greater. Watch out, Marcus. I think maybe you should have that warning a little bit. Um, <laughs> But so the consequent, not all, not all, not all choices have exactly the same consequences. We're not trying to say that, that all, and you know what, not all choices are moral choices. If you choose to eat uh, uh, one thing over the other, there's going to be different. All right, if you choose to eat pancakes every morning instead of, and if you choose, uh, like I did this morning, if you choose to do that every morning and eat three at a time and don't have, you have any exercise, it might not be quite, it might, well, that might be getting close to immorals right there if you get to that extreme, but, but um, it, it's really, some of them, that's just, you know, just not really, it's neither here nor there. But then some things are, many things are. Now we, we enjoy exercising this gift of choice. One of the things, one of the worst things about being locked up and in prison is this thing of you can't you can't make any decisions everything is decided for you when you get up when you go to bed what you do what you can't do what you can do what you can't do and it's just you just almost have no choice you can choose to be happy about it or choose not to and that's about it maybe but so so we we enjoy choice we go to a church potluck and wow you know this is so much fun you know is it what will it be this or this or this or go to Cabela's and the choices are even better yet. I'm sorry to the church ladies that bring the potluck, but maybe Cabela's is even better sometimes. I'm not sure. Uh, most of us would be feel pretty deprived if just for one week we we can't uh, we couldn't really make choices. We we it, we don't like to be told every detail. We like to make some decisions. We like to decide. That's a it's actually a great privilege that we have, and it's part of being human, the ability to choose and the right and the, yeah, the, the privilege of choosing. Um, Danny mentioned again this evening how that when you say yes to Christ, that decision is followed up with many, many decisions that support it. You say yes again and again. It's a little bit like if you decide that you're going to go to college or something like that. You finish high school and you want to go to college. So you, you decide you're going to go and you, 
But that's only, okay, so that's a big decision. You worked it out with your parents and you decide you're, you, you want to go to uh, college. I'm not saying that that's a, always a smart thing to do, but sometimes it, it probably is. I'm sure it is sometimes. Um, just that not everybody needs to. So, uh, so but you've decided you're going to go. You're going to go get a, an education. So that's just the beginning, though, of your decisions that you're going to have to make. You're going to have to make, you're going to have to decide where, you're going to have to decide what, you're going to have to decide a lot of things. You're going to have to decide how to pay for it. Uh, you're going to have to decide a lot of things. And and so if you so if you decide you 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 uh, you, you make that decision you're gonna go you where you're gonna go and you've applied and you've been accepted, but then at some point you just don't go. You just don't. You just stop going. And maybe you've gone for a while, but you just stop. You may have never actually consciously come to a decision that you're going to quit. You may have never sat down with your parents and said, "I'm going to stop. I'm going to quit." But if you stop doing what you need to do to continue on through, you may as well have made the decision that you're going to quit. So that, that applies to our Christian life sometimes. When we've made that decision to follow Christ, we may never decide consciously, I'm not going to anymore. But when we stop following him, when we simply, well, there's a lot of other decisions when we, that we, we simply don't do what he asks us to do. It, 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 it amounts to the same thing. We just, it's not that we've maybe said, I'm not going to follow him anymore, but it amounts to the same thing when we stop. So those decisions, we have to keep on, keep on, and keep on making them. Thinking about actions and things that we do and habits, you know, um, the more often an action is repeated, the, the greater the consequences. And that's both good and bad. The more, the, if you decide you're going to learn a, excuse me, learn a verse of scripture or two or three a week, and you just do that, the more often you, ref the, the greater your accumulation of biblical knowledge will be. And that's a great thing. That's a good thing. On the other hand, if you pick up a bad habit, and I've got some numbers here to throw out, and I honestly do not know where I got them. I hope they're trustworthy. They seem a little radical to me, but anyway, the point. You, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't um, put too much emphasis or repeat to just everybody you see the, the exactly the numbers, but because they seem a little, they seem a little extreme to me. But I, I got them from somewhere, so I'm going to repeat them here. And, and it wasn't just out of my own head either. So if you, if you begin a habit of smoking, for example, and you smoke a pack a day, uh, you could shorten your life by 10 years. If you have an alcohol problem and drink alcohol every day to excess, maybe more than 20 years you can shorten your life and when you get to the point where, you're, where it's actually considered an, um, a, an a problem, an alcohol, uh, like an addiction. And hard drugs even worse. More than 30 years of your life can be taken away if you develop a habit of hard drugs. Now, even in that, though, there's some positive things, and that is that if you stopped at any point in that time, it's better for you. It gets better. It's not that, you've, it's not that you have um, um, 
can completely undo the damage that's done. You might not be able to. But on the other hand, you, um, you can, it's, it's, it's far better than to just keep on until you're dead. Now, the point is, you smoke one cigarette a day, it probably won't, I mean, sorry, one a day. If you, if you just do one, apart from, you know, a little coughing fit and your eyes watering and all of that, it may, be not, it may not hurt too much. It may not. But it's the habit that, and I'm not recommending that by any means. Please do not, please don't think that I think it's just okay to just do one. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, but but uh, it's, the ha it's the repeated thing. It's the repeated, those choices, that we, those choices that we make and we repeat those actions over and over again. They have consequences. Great. The more often repeated, the greater the consequences. The New Testament calls this the law of sowing and reaping. And I'll read a few verses here. <clears throat> Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So sow good things and you reap good things. So, so often we think about this saw, law of sowing and reaping or the choices have consequences. That whole idea is, is often we think of it as kind of a negative thing, but it's, well, yes, it has a negative side, but it also has a positive side. Do good things. Sow to the Spirit and you'll reap life everlasting. And uh, Yes, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, life everlasting. Eith, even as I have seen, Proverbs 8, 11, verse 18, oh, I'm sorry, Job 4, verse 8 says, even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow, weak, sow wickedness reap the same. And Proverbs says, the wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. For they have sown to the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk, the bud shall yield no meal. If, it be, if so be it yield, a stranger shall swallow it up. And Romans, if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. If ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So it's just saying the same thing in different ways. You will reap what you sow. You will, you will live with the consequences of the choices. Uh, uh, we will live with the consequences of the choices we make. And some, some of these choices just cannot be undone. Marriage is an example. That's why it's so important to marry carefully because... According to scripture, that knot cannot be untied except by death. If you decide you want to jump off a cliff, and that doesn't, and, and, and yeah, so if you, if you decide you're going to jump off a cliff and you stand at the edge of the cliff, you have, no, you know, you, you, you've uh, made that decision and you jump off. there's a river below and a pool deep enough to catch you, maybe you'll survive, but um, 
Anyway, you can't change your mind. You can change your mind about it being a great idea, which I think I would do. If I ever thought it was a good idea to bungee jump, I'm pretty sure I'd have changed my mind before I hit the ground, before I hit, before I get very far. <laughs> Once you hit the ground, there's probably not that much chance of you changing your mind. Um, so uh, choices, some choices just are, you know, that's serious that you just can't undo them. So we have to choose those things very, very carefully. We have to live with the results of the choices we have made. Continuing to make the right choices matters. You know, think about this. It's only the choices that you make and that I make, we make, right now, that really matter. The choices I made several years ago, or a long time ago, whatever, can't help me if I start making bad choices now. You ever think about that? Because right now is the only time we actually have. So we could think about the future, and we often do this. We often think, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this thing. Right now, well, I don't really want to. And so, but it's the choices that we make now that matter. Because the future can't help us, because we're not in the future, and we never will be in the future. We'll always be only right now. So we have this little bit of time. I mean, just right now, it's all we really have. Past is go gone. You can't decide anything about, you know, the ch yesterday is just, it's gone. You cannot make a choice yesterday. You, you did that yesterday, but you have right now. And, and, I, and, and the future, well, we can, we can make choices that this is what we'll do when we get to this point. We can make those choices now, that's good. But the idea that, all right, so I, God is calling me and I will do it. I will answer, you know, sometime up here. That doesn't do us any good. It's the choices we make now that will help us. Good decisions, good choices, put us in a, in a position to make better and better decisions. And uh, let's look at the, uh, let's look at um, David's early life, the, the David, the shepherd boy. So David decided when he was a young man, he decided to be obedient to his father. You know where that took him? That put him in a position where he was able to be, to make a decision to be obedient to King Saul, his authority. David had a good concept of authority. He started early on when he was young. He, he decided to be obedient to his, his father. And then he came and he was in the presence of the king and he, and he obeyed the king. He decided to be responsible when he was young in that lowly task of being a shepherd over sheep. It takes a special person to be a shepherd over sheep. Sheep are as ornery as people, I think, almost. And, and uh, David decided to do that, to be, uh, to be responsible. He took that responsibility. And that led him, that's, that being serious in his responsibilities that when he was, you know, they were small, led him to the point where eventually he became the shepherd of a nation. He decided to be courageous. When the lions and the bears came to gobble up his sheep, 
and that put him in that led him eventually to the position to have the opportunity to courageously resist the enemies of the nation. David decided to respect Saul's authority even in Saul's treachery. David had a good concept of authority. And so Saul was treacherous. And Saul was trying to kill David for no good reason. And David said, when he had the opportunity, Saul is right there. He's asleep. David is a warrior. He has soldiers with him. And they said, why don't we just stick a spear through him and pin him to the ground? I mean, just that just is what makes sense. And he said, no way. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. So he had a concept of, all right, God placed Saul here. It's not my place to take God, to take Saul out. So later, David is now king. And something happens where his own son starts an insurrection against him. David has still has that concept of authority. This time it's him, though. He said, God placed me here. I don't have to defend myself. I'm going to leave the city. If God wants me here, he'll bring me back. So early decisions that David made put him in a place where he was able to make really hard decisions, but good decisions later in the tough, tough times of his life. On the other hand, now we follow through with David's life. Unfortunately, he had some, the exact opposite happened to him as well. Where David got to the point where he made some small bad decisions that led to the point where he made a fatal decision. And so, so he stayed home from war. What's the big thing with that? David was king. And actually, it was by the counsel of some of his men, probably. I don't remember if that's really, if the Bible actually says that or if it's just what I think. But I think so. I think the Bible says that, uh, well, I shouldn't say. Anyway, he stayed home. And he was used to going out and fighting. And, and probably, and, and, and he got restless. Maybe he felt a little guilty that his men are out there fighting and he's not. And he's wandering around at night. And he sees something that he shouldn't have seen. Now, maybe that wasn't his fault, but it certainly was his fault that he sent for the lady and brought her to his house. Uh, you know, his business was to the nation, and instead he began to follow his own carnal, uh, personal interests. The nation was at war, and his thoughts should have been there. Now, David repented. He made a good decision eventually. He repented, he received forgiveness, but the consequences didn't go away. Uh, he had rebellious, immoral children. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that, David that God granted David full and complete pardon and protection, no doubt about it. But the things were never the same after his bad choices. Poor decisions put us in a position to make increasingly poor decisions. Now, I'm going to have to ask my wife to please close her ears because she gets tired of me making, um, I, I, love, I love flying and I love 
using flying as life lessons because I think they are so apt. <laughs> Rhoda gets a little tired of it, so I'll just ask her to let her mind wander a little bit. But, but um, when you're when you're, when you're and when many many fatal decisions when you're flying don't start with one big terrible mistake one thing leads to another leads to another leads to another so there's kind of a chain they call it the accident chain or something like that until finally you crash so it's one bad decision puts us in a place to make another bad decision until we just have no good decisions left we can't there's nothing there are no good choices left there's no good options We've eliminated the good ones. Back in the winter of 2009, a small or a commuter plane, so it was a twin engine turboprop with 49 people aboard, approached New York's Buffalo Airport for landing. And as they were on their approach, suddenly that they are all of a sudden the uh, control column began to shake giving a warning that something was wrong. And what was wrong was that, that uh, there was ice forming on the wings and on the fuselage of the plane, and it was making it heavy and slow, and it went, and it, and it, and it was slowing, you know, it was going so slow that it was, that it actually stalled, <coughs> or it was threatening to stall. And, but the stick shaker gave a warning that something is about to happen here, and the pilot did exactly the wrong thing. He pulled back on the stick and the plane plunged to the ground killed everybody on board and one man on the ground it was exactly he did exactly the wrong thing and and so it was a bad decision and terrible consequences but investigators found later that there was a number of poor decisions that led to that and uh, to that fatal final decision and one of that one of those things was fatigue number of factors that had to do with the pilot's decision making. One of them was fatigue. The pilot was tired. Um, apparently he had been sleeping on the, in the airport lounges, pilot's lounges, because he couldn't afford a hotel. This airline wasn't paying very much. And he felt like he just couldn't afford to get a room and he was sleeping on a couch. And he was tired, just tired. Another thing was just inattention. Uh, he was distracted. The conditions were known to be dangerous. There was icing. And, um, and, and, and yet the pilot and the co-pilot were talking about any, everything else during their approach. They weren't talking about, they were, they were pretty complacent. And uh, they were discussing things that had nothing to do with the, with the, land, with the landing, with the approach. The, the cockpit was not sterile. They were distracted. His training wasn't very complete. The reason he pulled instead of pushed on the stick is he thought this was a tailplane stall. He actually thought that the tail had stalled, and the right thing to do in that case would be to pull up. But it wasn't. It was a regular main wing stall. And so his training wasn't, uh, uh, he wasn't able to identify that. His training wasn't quite complete. He was in the middle of taking some type of training uh, to, to, uh, to, to recognize that, but it wasn't complete. And so we see that one kind of poor decision after the other. Nothing was so, so major until he got to that final one where he did exactly the wrong thing. But one, but one poor decision led to another. And that, that's so ha that happens so often in our lives. We, 
we make a bad decision and we get into a bad place until we it, we we just get worse and worse until finally something really bad happens. <coughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. David David is an example of doing making good decisions and giving and making and uh, getting and putting him into a position to be a, into a better place. So the law of sowing and reaping is as old as creation. And think about this. I don't, God is not bound by anything. But God binds himself, it seems like, to certain, certain things. And this one thing, when God made the decision to give man free will, he, you know, he loves a man. He loves man. And he would want very much for everyone to be saved and to come to him. But he made a decision to give them free will. And no matter how hard it is to see them turn away from him, he's going to stay. He's going to bear the consequences of that decision. He, he, I'm not going to say he imposed it on himself, but he himself bears consequences of decisions he made. C.S. Lewis said, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those who God, to whom God will say at the end, Thy will be done. You choose. Which one of these are we? What will, are we going to say to God now, thy will be done? Or are we going to wait to hear God say to us, if we really want it, if we really need it? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us to come together think seriously about the decisions that we make. And Lord, I just pray that we would choose you, choose to follow you. Lord, you know everyone here, you know everyone's heart, you know the um, choices that are, are um, confronting each one of us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.